Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode 181. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary, gonna hang out with you for the next half hour or so. Talking New York Jets football, getting you ready for another week. A preseason game has come and gone. There is another preseason game on Saturday. We got hard knocks. There is a whole lot going on in New York Jets land. Audio files to play, voicemails as well. But before we do any of that, we have a word from our sponsors. Yes, football season is coming, but it is still summer, so you could still unleash that beach beast within you. This summer, Manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. They're going past the waist deep in the grooming game and diving headfirst into facial hair fantasies. The Beard Hedger is a game changer, allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe. So this summer, let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place using my promo code JETS20. That is J-E-T-S-2-0. I've also been enjoying the cologne and the body wash. I've been using the body wash in the shower recently. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Make sure to pick it up using my code JETS20. 20 over at Manscaped. All right, let's hop into today's show. We have, as I mentioned, a lot that we could be getting into. And I want to start with players to watch against the Panthers. And what I mean by players to watch is, yes, of course, we're talking about in the preseason game on Saturday, but the Jets are also doing joint practices with the Carolina Panthers over the next few days. So you will be able to see these guys in these little windows and see what they can do. Unfortunately, if you remember, Jets versus the uh, Green Bay Packers, leading up to that preseason game, there was some joint practices, and that's when Carl Lawson got hurt. So we don't want to repeat of losing a guy for the season, Uh, but it's a good opportunity to get some competition because you're going up against the same guys in training camp day in and day out, and it's no disrespect to regular training camp or you know just the team in general. Obviously, the Jets' offense has a really good test going up against this New York Jets' defense, but changing it up a little bit, getting you know some different teams in there in the mix, I am all for. And there's going to be combined practice between the Jets and the Buccaneers. Not this week, the following week. So uh, they, they will be opportunities to see how this team looks against, again, just other competition. And with the Panthers and the Buccaneers, probably lesser competition than what both the Jets offense and defense will be going against. But nonetheless, we'll see how much of a difference it makes. And the I have four players, well, three players and a positional group that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this week in both uh, practices and the game. And we will start. It's very similar to my list against the Cleveland Browns. So I know what you might be saying. It's like, well, like, didn't we just talk about these guys? But I, I don't really have a whole bunch of interest in talking about the starting caliber guys because you're not going to see a whole lot of them in the preseason. And the most likely time you're going to see starters get any sort of extended reps will more than likely be in the Giants preseason game. But how about we start with Mekhi Becton, a lightning rod talking point for the New York Jets. Some Jet fans love him. Some Jet fans hate him. Some Jet fans are just right down the middle. And, you know, for me, Mekhi Becton played just seven snaps last week in the Hall of Fame game. And I want to see more of Makai. He was obviously, the plan was to play him 20 to 25 snaps. He didn't come close to that. Can he take that next step in the development 
and get on the field and stay on the field for longer. Mostly it was the turf at the stadium for at the Hall of Fame game that wasn't great. All right, fine. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on this one. But you have three more times to show what you can do on the football field before the regular season starts. And there's still no Dwayne Brown, right? He hasn't made his way back uh, into practicing yet. But, you know, Billy Turner, Max Mitchell, these are all people that Mekhi Becton is competing against for a position on the Jets starting five. And right now, it doesn't look like Mekhi Becton is going to be a starter. Number one, because he's running with the twos and also because he is, uh, you know, not able to stay on the field. Uh, for or hasn't shown it yet, we'll see. This is what I want to see from him this upcoming week against the Carolina Panthers. Prove that you can do it. Because when he played, granted, again, it was only seven snaps, so you don't want to you know, take so much away from it, but I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked good. And con, you know, getting him back out there in contact and you know, pass protecting and run blocking, all of it, the whole, the whole thing. I think is a win for not only him, but for this Jets team. But I'd be lying to you if I sat up here right now and was saying that I, I think he's in uh, uh, pacing out to be the Jets starter. I think he has ground to make up between Max Mitchell and uh, Billy Turner. Billy's been playing on the left side and maybe, you know, once Dwayne Brown comes back, maybe moves over to the right side a little bit more, but it feels like right tackles Max Mitchell's spot right now, and he's looked good in training camp. You got to give him credit; he's been good. I think he is a serviceable tackle. I don't. I'm not convinced he is for sure a starting caliber offensive lineman. I think he's probably best suited as a swing tackle, and I'd feel significantly more comfortable with him as a you know swing tackle for this team than a starting right tackle. But it goes back to you know uh, Makai coming off the, this injury and this ramp up period. It's gonna take some time. It's not gonna happen right away. And you know again, this will be the big test to see how long can he go. Can you get a half of Makai back then? Is that too much to ask for at this point? Maybe we'll start with a quarter and then work your way up to half. And then can he play you know a nice chunk in that final game before the regular season comes to maybe change his fortune? But I think a lot would have to change over the next pretty much month, right? It's By the time this episode comes out, it'll be August 9th, which means that you are a month and two days away from the season opener. Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills. Will we see Mekhi Becton out there? Probably not. Honestly, unless he makes up a ton of ground, I would say probably not uh, at this point. Then you have an, another backup in, in Zach Wilson, but I would imagine he is going to play more in this game than what we saw him against the uh, Cleveland Browns because, number one, Aaron Rodgers is not going to play again, nor do I think he should play. This is not me saying, oh, I think Aaron Rodgers should be playing in these preseason games. No, let's not get nuts here. But there's one last quarterback. Chris strevler has gone. RIP in peace, Chris Strebler. He gets cut. We will always have the 2022 uh, preseason that was a ton of fun, uh, and then that pass, the thirty-yard pass to CJ Uzama, that was you know ten yards behind that he had to stop for to catch, but we got a standing ovation because of how poorly Zach Wilson was playing in that game. But really, you're down to, to to two. It is Zach and Tim Boyle right now as the quarterback. So you would think again, and again, maybe this changes, and maybe this isn't the actual plan. But logic tells you, all right, you got two quarterbacks. One in the first half, 
one in the second half. So a full half of Zach Wilson, I think, is much more intriguing than what he he almost got a quarter. It wasn't quite a full quarter of Zach Wilson, but uh, there were some nice moments against Cleveland. For instance, the pass to Malik Taylor on the left-hand side. More on that in a little bit. I got an audio file or audio clip to play for you uh, from that one. But uh, that was the nice thing. But he, he slipped and fell on third down. Uh, on that play where he slipped and fell, he bailed out of the pocket where he had, if there was a great video by QB school, uh, he's on Twitter and YouTube where he, where he pretty much broke down the, the Zach Wilson's play in the game. And there's a mesh pattern of two guys going underneath. And then there, there's a in route, maybe about seven yards past the, the mesh route was, I don't know, five yards. And then there's maybe a seven to eight yard in. And he's explaining that if he just waited the second for the mesh to split, that would have opened up a lane for that in to be open. Instead, didn't trust it, bailed out, tried to run, fell down. And that's part of the negative because that was an issue with Zach through his first two years, bailing on pockets, trying to you know roll out and make a play instead of just going through the progressions. And there were times also in that game where he did go through progressions and it did look good, but uh, it was a little up and down in a small limited sample size and Look, like, I get it. I've gotten pushback. I did a, a video talking about uh, a throw that Zach Wilson made in, in training camp, uh, and I talked about Zach Wilson's play in the Hall of Fame game, and this is not, I want to reiterate, even though I've done it already on the channel and on social media, this is not me saying that Zach is ready to be a starter. Zach is definitely the answer after Aaron Rodgers, any of these things, but the truth of the matter is the likelihood of him being QB2 is very, very high. Like it or not, he is pretty much a lock to be this team's second quarterback. And you need him to be able to do these little things and to be able to be that guy. Him taking these steps, as little as they may be, as simple and fundamental things, for instance, you know, seeing that the rush is going to come and getting the ball out quickly, like he did in uh, training camp practice on Monday, is that a little thing? Or Sunday? One of those days. Is that a small thing? Yes. Does it matter? Also yes, because one, it was something that he didn't really do that well through his first two years in the league. And if, God forbid, he has to come in, you want him to be able to distribute the football to the playmakers. You don't necessarily need the eye-popping stuff. You need him to take care of the football and do what he did against Miami at home and do what he did against Buffalo at home. If he can do that, then great. You sign up for that. You take that for now. Uh, with him as the backup. So I want to see if he can, in a bigger sample size, what he looks like. It's interesting. That's what you want to see. And again, this is not an advocation or just me sitting up here saying, yeah, he's ready to start. Play him. Let's go. He's fixed. It's not there yet. But I, I want to see him. So when we saw a lot of in the Cleveland Browns game, who I thought looked really good was Joe Tipman. He played, what, three quarters of that game? A lot of that game. He played a ton of snaps and was really, really solid. Uh, he was listed as the third-string center behind Connor McGovern, McGovern behind Wes Schweitzer. Schweitzer is moving out to guard, so I guess by default that moves Tipman up. I still believe that McGovern has the edge right now, but I want to continue to see this guy who you used a second-round pick on, who I think is the long-term starter at the position, what he's able to do in getting out in space in the run game is really impressive. They they love his athleticism. That's the reason why they drafted him in that second round. But just to go from the 
oh my God, he's a bust. They made a mistake. This is awful narrative to, hey, like this guy play can play a little bit. He played well uh, in that first preseason game. Just so so drastic of a, of a difference. And the point remains the same. Like you can't get way too high or way too low on any player before they are playing preseason games, before they are playing regular season games. Like you got to give it a little bit of time, which – you know, unfortunately, I was trying to say with with Zach Wilson through the first year after year one, when people were like, "Oh my God, this kid stinks!" Like, yeah, it didn't go well, but could we give it more than how many games he played his first year? Eleven games, and unfortunately, in year two, they, we didn't see the progress that we needed to see. That's why they went out there and landed Aaron Rodgers. But sometimes you have to be a little bit patient. And with Joe Tipman, I think you're going to reap the rewards of that. And again, that's someone that I want to see because, yeah, he might not be plugged in as the starter right now, but that is the long-term solution at center. It's not Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern might be the stopgap, and Connor McGovern might be the center to start the year. But if I had to bet on who's going to finish the year, that's like I don't think it's if if uh, Tipman continues to develop the way that he has through camp so far and. and builds off of these performances and gets better the more reps that he gets, I think he'll eventually push him. And I think that there's a chance. When's the bye week? Week seven? Can he come out of the bye as a starter for the second half of the year? That wouldn't be crazy shocking. And also, like, injuries happen. They might shuffle the line around. They shuffled the line a ton last year. Uh, Hopefully, there's not as many injuries as what there was last year, right? Because that was just absolutely awful and just absolutely terrible to go through. Uh, and sit through all that. But anyway, I, I want to see Joe Tipman there. And the last one is the running back room because at least for now, there is still no sign of Dalvin Cook signing. Will Dalvin Cook ever sign with a team? I don't know. Maybe he's waiting to see if there's an injury in camp somewhere else or is someone going to budge and pay up big money for him? Who the hell knows? But as of right now, again, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Izzy Abanacanda, Bam Knight. I think Brace Hall is not going to play. I would think Michael Carter as a veteran probably won't get that much reps, but it was a it was a heavy dosing of Izzy Abanaconda. Uh, but I want to see Bam Knight. Bam Knight's kind of took this role and stepped up to what would be RB2 behind Brees Hall, but now is kind of the de facto RB1. Uh, he's, he's looked good in camp. He's looked explosive. He's a little bit more explosive than Michael Carter. We know that Izzy's a little bit more uh, explosive than Carter as well. So that's two guys there. And I'm not all the, I'm not out on Michael Carter either. I think he serves a purpose and you know can absolutely you know give you something on this team. Um, but that's what I want to see is this running back room and who is getting the carries. What do they look like with the carries? Because for, even though you got the touchdown, you got the Izzy Abanacanta touchdown. It's not like he was rushing for like five yards a pop. I think his average ended up being three yards a carry because, you know, they weren't getting a ton of push in the run game. Uh, but that running back room and how it shakes out and who's playing where and do they need to add a veteran? It looks like Kareem Hunt, as of recording this, uh, Kareem Hunt looks like he is heading to uh, New Orleans. So that's another veteran off the board. There's somehow interest in Ezekiel. I don't really buy that. I don't believe that Ezekiel Elliott and the New York Jets are linked for real. I think that's Ezekiel's agent really kind of getting in the mix on it, but um, we'll see if they need to add a veteran. And I think, you know, again, a bigger sample size of these running backs would be, would be nice to see.
Let's get into uh, Hard Knocks. So, uh, full full disclosure, recording before the Hard Knocks episode comes out because, well, that would put us at like 11 o'clock at night and the f- turnaround time for uh, 11 o'clock at night to 8 or 9 in the morning for this podcast episode to come out uh, is not nearly enough time to record, edit, upload, schedule, post a show. That it's, I'm not going to do that. But what I wanted to do instead was talk about some awesome hard knocks moments from the last time the Jets were on and even like a little bit of a preview of what is going to end up being on this show, on this hard knocks program and something that, you know, we're excited about. So uh, some of my favorite moments, the last time the Jets were on hard knocks in 2010, you had outside of the wreck stuff, which we'll get into in a second, the Chris Jenkins get out of my drill clip in the rain. It's pouring rain. They're doing goal line drill. Chris Jenkins, the interior defensive lineman's blowing up plays. Sanchez fumbles the ball a couple of times, and he's like, get the F out my drill. Just going nuts, rips his helmet off. They're showing Joe Namath on the sideline sitting there in the pouring rain. Rain's popping off him. And he's like, you, I know it's raining, but you can't be fumbling the football. And, you know, Mark drops that, I think, once or twice. And then finally, Chris takes his helmet off. And he's like, get the F out my drill. And the ref comes up. He's like, you can't take your helmet off. He's like, it's not game day. You can't find me, which is just so awesome. I wonder who is going to take that role. Who's going to be the scary player on the defensive line? I have one guess, and that guess is Michael Clemens. But uh, I, I'm excited for that. Again, the Rex Ryan, let's go eat a goddamn snack speech. Uh, and then I think the more underrated of the two speeches, I'll play it. So I guess this technically counts for uh, audio files. But uh, language warning, if anyone doesn't want to hear it, there's uh, there's some expletives in this. But Rex Ryan talking about expectations uh, and loving when expectations are high always gets me. Wins. How about that? If we play at our best, we will beat every team in this fucking league playing at their best. So who, who's it on? Whose shoulders does it fall on? Ours. We affect how this thing turns out, don't we? And it starts with training camp. We got to have a great goddamn training camp, man. Last year, hey, we were under the radar. That's a good place to be. Fuck that. The best place to be is when expectations are high. Get used to it. It's always going to be that way. And now let's go out and prove everybody right. We know we're better than you. We don't give a fuck if you know it or not. We don't, we don't give a shit if you give us your best game. We're going to give you our best game, and we're going to beat the fuck out of you. How's that? Let's go, go get it. Oh, I'm ready, baby. I am amped up. You know what I always forget in that video? And he was only there really for hard knocks because he didn't make the team. But Lavernius Coles was back for that, for training camp that year. Again, he didn't He didn't end up making the team. But he leaves in 2000, after the 08 season, goes to Cincinnati in 09. I believe has, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm 99% positive he scored a touchdown in that game against the Jets in the playoffs in 2009. Uh, and then was back for the Jets in, in training camp in 2010. Doesn't make the team and didn't play uh, in that 2010 season. But man, uh, that, I hope we get some more fiery speeches like that. I don't. Rex and Sala, both players, coaches, obviously, but go about it in a in a different way. So I'm excited to see some of his speeches. I think Ron Middleton's going to be a star on the show. I hope they give him a little bit of a run. I'm excited for Hard Knocks. 
I am excited about it. We had the the One Jets Drive. I got some audio files from uh, One Jets Drive for us to go through in a little bit. But one more thing on Hard Knocks. We could talk about you know some hard nice Hard Knocks moments from the last time the Jets were on. But we got a little bit of a preview of what uh, Hard Knocks will be like this year with Zach Wilson chirping Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I'll play you the clip courtesy of HBO Hard Knocks. Ooh, I see Zach with the arm sleeves. I love it. Did you put Zach up to the tucked up uh, arm sleeve to show his guns? No. I mean, he looks fantastic. He said, how much can how much can I pay you to get a uh, elastic in my sleeves? I said, you don't have enough. <laughs> hey, let those let those sleeves down, bro. Hey, I think it looks fantastic. Let those sleeves down. Let them down. Oh, you look let so good. Down. The guy in front of me has nothing to show off, so, so I figured I might as well let him go. You know I mean? He looks so good. So good. <laughs> and then it goes into the intro, the Hard Knocks intro. But, yeah, uh, Turpin going back and forth with Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala. Just, he is, Robert Sala might just be the ultimate hype man. Like, I think he hypes up every single guy on this team. You could be roster player number 53 on the team, but you'll have yourself thinking you are an all-pro just by how Robert Sala talks about you. He's like, I think Zach looks good. He looks great. You'll get him with the, with the sleeves up here showing off the guns. And then Zach's like, yeah, well, the guy in front of me, Aaron Rodgers, doesn't have guns to show off, chirping him back and forth. That was that was good stuff. So, you know, we'll see if that's in the first episode of Hard Knocks. Um, we'll know by now by the time you're listening to it. But I'm excited for this season of, uh, of Hard Knocks. Let's get into a couple more audio files before we get into some voicemails to close out the program today. One Jets Drive. So One Jets Drive is like the Jets version of Hard Knocks, and their first episode came out on Monday night, the day before Hard Knocks comes out. I wonder if that was on purpose. Can tell you, can confirm that it absolutely was on perfect on purpose. But it has the... Perfect, absolute perfect intro speech by both Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers. And it left me feeling like like goosebumps. Goosebumps were on the arms after the speech. Speech was too good not to share. So let's roll the audio from this speech here from Aaron Rodgers. All right, let's go, everyone. Hey, we got one goal. Let's win a championship this year. So everything we do from this point until February is intentional. Not on our mind. Okay? I want that mindset when you go out. Right? Think about what it's going to take. What are you willing to give up to win a championship this year? That's what it's going to take. Sacrifice. Staying together. Hell yeah. A little extra work sometimes. Yeah. Keeping in touch with each other. Staying connected. Being close. Yes, so last thing I'll say is, when you go out there, right? This Jets thing we got, right? This emblem, these letters, it doesn't stay at the facility. This travels with us. We're out there. We represent ourselves, our teammates, and the organization. Let's do it the right way. Okay. Can't wait to see see all boys in forty days. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. Champs on three. One, two, three. Champ. Wow. Um. <laughs> oh boy. Uh. If that doesn't get the blood flowing a little bit, blood pumping. Uh. You, you don't have a pulse. I don't know what to tell you. He's not a Aaron Rodgers. Not a good teammate. Not a good leader. Not a good anything. While he continues to just hype his teammates up working with the young guys, working with Zach Wilson, going out with the, his teammates on the both offensive and defensive side of the ball. This is a rejuvenated Rodgers. I don't know how you could possibly see what... Like, if you're a real football fan, right, you, you saw Aaron Rodgers last year. Look disinterested. 
This is not the same disinterested Rodgers that is now just like, all right, well, I guess I'll go to New York and finish out my career. He chose to go to the New York Jets, which, again, is something we've talked about here on this program for months, that he chose to come here. But talking about that one goal and just being the leader that he is sounds like a leader to me. If Aaron Rodgers says that, you you your ears perk up. You listen a little bit. You know, Jets quarterbacks of old, unfortunately, you know, one with, with Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold, not a knock on on them because they're just both both young players. But it, it's it's different. You don't a, a youngster like that unless you're Patrick Mahomes. But even I'm sure that took him a little bit. It took guys a little bit to get to that point where they're buying in. But Rodgers, you're like, oh shit, I got to be on my A game here. That, that really, really got me amped up. Tremendous start to one Jets drive. I loved it. They, really phenomenal program they, they do over there. And then the last audio file, before we get, we got a couple of voicemails this week, uh, which is totally, totally fair. Uh, I have a short clip from NFL Films where Zach Wilson talks about who called the play on the Malik Taylor bomb. Great call by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he called that one. I had a little shout out there. I'm ready. To, I'm ready for a bomb. Throw it up to Malik. Touchdown. Throw it to Malik. No, it's going to Malik. Has time. Floats a bomb down the left sideline. Drops it in. Oh, yeah. yeah, Malik. Yeah, hey, baby. I knew it. I knew it. Oh. I knew it. Hey, oh. I knew it. Hey, hey, what I tell you? Hey, where you at? Hey, hey, what I tell you? Another one that got me hyped. Aaron Rodgers smiling, you know, calling plays, getting in on it, excited for a guy like Malik Taylor, who is what, probably the eighth wide receiver on this roster, going nuts for him, happy for him, happy for Zach. It's cool. It's really freaking cool. And that's the kind of behind the scenes things that we'll get to see with Hard Knocks. I'm so excited for it. Rodgers calling the bomb to Zach Wilson. He called it. He was right. Throw it up to Malik. It'll be a big play. He said touchdown. It wasn't a touchdown, but it was a great ball. It was a great catch. It was a 50-yard 50, 50 play. Good for Zach. Good for Rodgers. I'm excited. I am excited for this season. I know you guys are too. we got a couple voicemails to do. Let's do that next. Uh, first voicemail is Frank calling in. Uh, from Long Island, and he wants to talk about Dewan Jones, the right tackle for the Cleveland Browns, and he wants to talk about the Jets waiting so long to take a tackle. Let's do it. Hey, Matt, how you doing? It's Big Frank from Long Island. Listen, I'm watching this Hall of Fame game, and this kid playing right tackle for the Browns I think is a lot better than the kid we took in the fourth round. And we traded down. This kid was sitting there, Jones, when we had the pick and they traded it away. I think this kid really could have helped us this year at left tackle. At right tackle, I mean. Sorry. All right. Stay well, man. Go Jets. Thank you so much, Big Frank, for calling in. Now, with Dewan Jones, he was supposed to go much, much earlier than what he did. He ended up going in the fourth round. He was projected, if I, off the top of my head, I believe he was supposed to be a second round pick. And for him to continue to fall, people were saying, well, take Dewan Jones, take Dewan Jones. But there was a reason why he fell to the fourth round. 
a lot of scouts were concerned about weight with him. He's a big guy, 6'8", listed as 375. That's what it says on Wikipedia. What does the NFL draft say? Is that the same thing? 6'8", yeah, 374. They have it. So if there was weight concerns, the reason why the Jets could potentially have a need at right tackle is because injury concerns with Makai Becton. And Makai Becton's problem was weight and size. So I'm not going to kill the Jets over maybe being scared off by Dewan Jones. Because same thing. That's a mold-wise, like size and mold-wise, they just went through it and just did it with Makai Becton. And maybe that's not fair because obviously each individual is different. But if they, in their eyes at least, missed on that type of player three years ago, I don't know if they want to take that risk again. And and fourth round versus first round, obviously big difference. Uh, and they end up taking Carter Warren, who I thought Carter Warren looked okay. And maybe Carter Warren never turns into, you know, being a caliber of player of someone like Duan Jones. And, you know, that might be completely fair and reasonable. If you want to get the Jets, get on the Jets and not being aggressive enough to get make sure that they attacked offensive tackle, I don't think it would be because I, I wouldn't personally use Duan Jones as my example because I could at least in my head pick up on why they might be scared off for a player of that size after getting burned by Mackay Becton. So I don't blame the, I don't blame the jets on that one. I don't, which I think is, you know, you could, you can get on them for their, for their offensive line still being a little bit of an issue. That is a fair critique. I'm not saying that, you know, if you're critiquing offensive tackle, that's not a fair critique. No, it's, it, it is, but I don't think not taking Dewan Jones in the fourth round is, the the fix to that issue or this egregious mistake. We'll close out with Jeffrey calling in from New Jersey. He wants to talk about a Joe Douglas mistake and guess what? Offensive tackle. All right, let's do it. Hey, Matt, it's uh, Jeffrey from New Jersey here. What's and up, I man? I want to talk about something. You know, I'm really impressed with what Joe Douglas has done with this team. Um, but there's one move that I don't like that he did. And he's done a lot of great things, like I said before, so I'm not criticizing him. But trusting Mackay Becton last year and letting Morgan Moses walk was a, a little bit of a costly mistake in my eyes uh, because Morgan Moses had a ton of success with us and with the, um, the Baltimore Ravens this past year and, of course, the commanders before us. Um, and really, this offseason, uh, the biggest question right now is, you know, right tackle and left tackle. And if we had this spot filled with Morgan Moses, then the only question would be, you know, who's starting at left tackle, uh, you know, which will most likely be Dwayne Brown. But, you know, at least you have it narrowed down to Dwayne Brown and Makai Becton without putting all that trust in Becton um, because he's just not there yet. But, um, you know, I love what Douglas has done. He's really turned this team around. But if there's one thing... One mistake I think you made is letting Moses walk. Uh, so my question is, um, what do you think Joe Douglas's, you know, worst move has been so far? You know, there's been a lot of good ones, but I'm just curious what your answer would be. Thank you and have a good day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling in. And I think that's a fair uh, criticism of Joe Douglas. Now, I would say the offensive line being in the state that it is still uh, at this point is my biggest gripe with Joe Douglas. And I think that's a a fair one to have. 
now Moses, he signed a three-year deal and he signed to be a starter with Baltimore. There wasn't a guarantee that he was going to start here with, uh, with the Jets. And they also had George Fant. So I understand why he left. I do agree that I would have maybe pushed a little bit harder to get Morgan Moses, but I don't know if playing in playing the revisionist history game with that specific player, if that works out, because George Fant was coming, he was almost a pro bowler. He was a very good left tackle uh, in 2021. Uh, and then Morgan Moses uh, was, you know, the right tackle and, and that ended up, you know, working out and he, and he played well. Uh, Becton was still going to be in the mix in some capacity. He used the first round pick on him. Um, and then obviously they end up bringing in Dwayne Brown, but maybe they don't have to bring in Dwayne Brown. Instead, they keep Morgan Moses and they just stick with Becton. And then with that injury, now you're just working with Moses and uh, you're not really as concerned. But I don't know if you signed Dwayne Brown and Morgan Moses last year. So I don't know if it's as simple as, all right, you don't have to worry about uh, only the the left tackle spot now uh, with everything that went on at right tackle. With that, all that said, and with all that in mind, I think both these calls kind of goes back to the same thing, which is the point that the offensive line might not be good enough yet, specifically at the tackle spot. And a big reason for that is because of, you know, Mekhi Becton's injury and him not panning out as, as planned, but that would be my bit to answer Jeff, uh, Jeffrey's question here. The biggest gripe I have with Joe Douglas is the offensive line. I think the line being in the in the area that it is right now is not good enough for someone who that's the position he played in college. That was supposed to be his strength is getting the offensive line. And there's been nice moves on the, the line. I like the trade up for AVT and drafting AVT. I, I, I like the Joe Tipman pick. Um, Becton over Werfs is going to bite him. The Tomlinson signing hasn't looked great. Dwayne Brown, Morgan Moses, George Fant, pretty nice stopgaps, guys. But there's still work to be done on this line. And it's been here since 2019. First offseason, really, 2020. So 20, 21, 22, 23. Four years. And the offensive line is still, at best, best case scenario, just going to be okay this year. And I hope that it's an okay line because if it's not, well, that could be the thing holding this team back. So anyway, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Just Jets. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I am Matt O'Leary, and I will catch you next time.